Destination Medicine is a collaborative initiative of regional training hubs. With first-hand lessons learned from those who have gone before, this podcast is designed to assist and inspire anyone interested in pursuing a medical career in rural and regional Australia. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Nicole Goodman. Justin Gladman is a descendant of the Wiradjuri people of New South Wales. Brought up in the remote mining town of Broken Hill, he explored different careers before coming to medicine. Because you see, for Justin, medicine had always been the impossible dream. But with determination at the age of 31, married with three children and with one more yet to come, Justin made contact with the Royal Flying Doctors Service to discuss the possibility of a return for service scholarship. With help from the RFDS and the Benelong Foundation, the Poach Centre and an Indigenous Health Scholarship, Justin took up the challenge of becoming a doctor. As we'll hear him say shortly, he had thrown his hat in to give it a go. And yes, Justin finally achieved his dream. His career pathway has taken him to many locations, but his wish always was to return to Broken Hill, where he now works, based at the Clive Bishop Medical Centre and regularly flying to outlying GP clinics. Justin has published papers and presented at local and international conferences. He's also been a key instigator of telehealth. But where did his career in medicine start? Justin Gladman takes Heather Dawson back to the start. So I had spent time in the military as a medic and then went through the various training pathways with those guys. I had contemplating doing medicine for a while um, post that and I started doing a master's degree um, in clinical education through Flinders University. My supervisor at that time, David Prideau, I mentioned to him on, on one fateful day that I was contemplating it and interested in it and he was quite supporting and encouraging um, and encouraged me to put an application in. Um, so I did that and went and spoke to some of the other you know, lecturers and key support people within Flinders University. And again, they were all quite supportive. So I threw my hat in the ring and got a Guernsey and, and all went from there. <laughs> because you came to medicine, that's right, a, a little later in life than many people. Describe the pathway that you took to medicine and uh, some of the challenges that came in front of you along the way. Previously to medicine, I had a, attempted a number of different careers. So I managed a community care program, had been involved with teaching Aboriginal health workers. I had, as mentioned before, did some military service, spent some time having a go at community-based research, um, all of which had a, had a health component to it, uh, whether that was either doing the medic stuff with the military or going through and, and doing community-based research that had a particular emphasis on health-related topics or health uh, service delivery. And then from there, I applied, as I mentioned, I applied to Flinders University and did my first two years in Adelaide um, and then was fortunate enough to get a place on the PRCC, which is Flinders Rural Training Cohort. Um, so I went to Mount Gambier for another two years after that and finished up my course there. Then went to Tamworth and did my intern and RMO year and then we moved back to Broken Hill, which is originally where I'm from, and took up an anaesthetic training position um, under a GP banner with those guys and then moved out to the RFDS and have been there now for almost three years. 
some of the challenges, um, so a bit more on the background, I'm married. Um, we have four children, uh, one of which was born during medical school, so that provided its own unique challenges, obviously, <laughs> um, between trying to study, prepare for exams and dealing with teething and tantrums and things like that. So that was certainly one of the considerations was being able to balance you know, the multitude of different things that was going on inside during the course and then outside in, in terms of family. Um, but I must say, Flinders were incredibly supportive in that regard. And you got there. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, eventually fell over the line. <laughs> well, you chose to become, as you've mentioned, a rural generalist with an advanced skill in anaesthetics. Why did you choose that career pathway? I was lucky enough in Tamworth where the team was essentially made up of a consultant, a resident or registrar and yourself. So it was a really small team. So you actually got exposure and and able to do a lot of procedural stuff um, that if you were in a bigger city, you wouldn't be able to do just because the, the teams are bigger and everybody's essentially fighting for the same thing of getting experience and filling logbooks. So it gave me quite good insight into the exposure that you get by doing rural work. Um, And then a lot of my supervisors, particularly during medical school, again, in Mount Gambier, were either GP proceduralists or rural generalists themselves. So, yeah, they were either doing obstetrics or anaesthetics and whatever floated their boat, really. But again, it provided quite a nice balance. And and when I sat down and spoke to a few of my supervisors, I went, look, if you want to break from GP world, you can go do anaesthetics or obstetrics, whatever your advanced um, skills training is in, and then vice versa. You can do that for a little while, and when you want to change, you can then move back into GP world. So it just provided quite a good degree of flexibility in a professional sense. But then the contact and the rapport you build within the community, um, and particularly your own patients, of course, but certainly within the community where I've seen patients in an anaesthetic capacity who I've then seen, say, in remote clinics um, pertaining to the RFDS, or I've seen them in clinic themselves. So once again, you're able to provide quite good all-round care because you've seen them in, in different domains. Well, you returned, as you said, to practice in Broken Hill, where you are now. What do you see as the rewards of working in a, a remote area like Broken Hill? As I mentioned, you get quite good um, exposure to clinical skills. You can, within reason, design your own job, essentially, um, if you've got a particular interest in in an area or you want to pursue a particular area. There's the option to do that. You have quite a good understanding of the the community dynamics and what's going on and what's important in terms of industry and and sports and things like that. So just, again, I think it helps you be a, a better clinician because you have that understanding at the community level, what's going on and some of the cultural aspects. And I'm not just referring to Indigenous culture, but the community cultural aspects that then obviously help you in terms of patient management. Uh, you have a better understanding as to what's important in that particular community and what some of the issues are. Well, um, I believe you've said that you never wanted to be chained to a desk in your medical career. It's yeah, true. <laughs> Can you describe the diversity, you know, the scope of the work that you do there? 
Uh, so within RFDS, so I do some of the, the remote clinics. So that involves flying out to either uh, hospital-based clinics where it's nurse-run or some of them are community clinics where there's um, no one there apart from the, the day that the doctor and the nurse fly in. And then I also have sessions at the Clive Bishop Medical Centre, which is based in, in Broken Hill. So you get quite a nice diversity of patients, um, of patient load as well. And also in terms of how you actually do and carry out your your clinical assessments and put plans in place and things like that. Obviously, it's slightly different for each community because their needs are different. Now, telehealth, Justin, has been a recent innovation in remote health delivery. This is new to you too, I gather. So how is it going to work in practice? We started doing that this week, so there'll be a small trial that where we look at the actual long-term implementation of it from an operational point of view. So at the moment, um, it's supporting the daytime retrieval doctor. So if he's flying, then calls will come in from properties and, and outposts that need to be dealt with. Um, so yeah, previously to telehealth starting, then those calls would often back up and then whoever the retrievalist was uh, on that day would then have to deal with it. So as a part of then this telehealth role is being able to deal with those calls so there's no backlog for when they get back, so kind of sharing the workload in that regard. It's also looking at uh, for when people from patients ring in um, and they're after their results or they're due for routine bloods, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so to give you an example, I spoke to a patient the other day and we you know, went through the history and everything else and then there was a clinic the following day in the community or close to where they live. Um, so she was able to fast overnight so we could do bloods the following day, catch up with the um, doctor that was heading out for a physical assessment. So instead of her turning up on that day not having spoken to anybody, um, you know, assuming that she'd had breakfast and things like that, then that would have then drawn it out for another couple of weeks before she would be able to see the doctor again in that community. So we're able to kind of shortcut the, the system a little bit and use it a little bit more efficiently. So what would potentially take, say, two or three consultations, maybe have cut down to one. So it will have big benefits for an area like Broken Hill then? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the other thing... It, you know, being is that you're able to also preempt a lot of the work as well. So I've had telehealth consults where I've been able to organise referrals and scans and, and so forth for when the patient does come into town. So instead of that being a, you know, a two-consult process, um, we're able to preempt it and go, OK, the patient will be in on a Thursday. That's their normal shopping day in town and then teed up with a radiologist and so forth that certain you know, examinations and investigations can be done in the morning and then they're all sorted and then they've got the rest of the, of the day to do what they actually planned on doing. So I can use the a their time and also clinical time a lot more efficiently. Now Justin, looking back, who would you say have been the key influences in your medical career and what impact have they had on you? There were certainly a number of key people within Flinders University that promoted or supported the idea of, of me doing medicine. So that certainly had a great impact. And then going through that initial support of putting an application in and having a go and then the 
the few bruises and bumps that you get along the way by virtue of doing medicine. Um, yeah, then being able to help you through those difficult periods. And I also think as a cohort, it's you know, you build up quite a good rapport and, and friendships with the colleagues that you have within the course and a number of those I still keep in contact with. Um, going through medicine, we had a, quite a, an age divide, if you like, and there were the younger kids, for a better word, who had done Year 12 and a Bachelor of Medical Sciences and then got into medicine. And then there's another group that we, we termed ourselves as the geriatrics who had you know, careers before doing medicine and had family and that type of stuff. So, so we obviously stuck together. But a lot of those people I still keep in contact with. Um, and then going through the course, obviously, you, you, know, you meet people who give you little bits of advice that actually turn out to be quite important, bits of advice and help shape and develop the pathway that you go down. So what advice would you give to those people making medical career decisions now and who should they involve in those decisions? Look, one of the biggest things in medicine is that you choose what's left. Um, so by that, I mean, you, you'll do rotations and terms and, um, you know, say, for example, you know, obstetrics and paediatrics and intensive care and things like that. And, you know, there are some things that you just are not for you for multitude of different reasons. And you, you do end up picking what's left after you cross out things that you just have absolutely no desire to do whatsoever. <laughs> So it's quite interesting. I listen to the to the medical students and I go, oh, I'm really interested in doing X, Y and Z, which is good and that, that's important. But what I think in reality, as I said, you end up choosing what's left after you cross everything out of all the other stuff that you have absolutely no interest in, in doing. In terms of uh, people that you involve, um, again, go off and, and spend time uh, with the consultant in the area that you're particularly interested in and see if you like it and see if it's for you and think about the long-term stuff. Um, so, for example, where do you, you know, can you see yourself doing shift work for the rest of your life? Can you, you know, see yourself being woken up in the middle of the night to deal with situations and, and also being able to design medicine, for a better word? to work the way that you want it to work. So it was some of the other reasons that we also looked at doing is that previously I was doing research and there were, you know, you were getting 12-monthly contracts and things like that, so there wasn't a great deal of stability. And then as we were going through the course, we going, okay, so what do we want to do with it? Yes, you know, that chance of doing locum work and travel and things like that then actually became for us as a, as a family a relatively important aspect of it. Final question, Justin. What advice would you give to a rural person who's interested in a career in medicine but feels, I think like you did back at the start, that it might be just an impossible dream? Just uh, have a go. You know, throw your hat in the ring. There's a multitude of different support that you can use. The, you know, even as within the medical school, uh, there's a high collegial aspect to it where they'll support each other. And the reality is pretty much everyone feels that way. And certainly going through the course, you'll have periods of time where you question yourself and wonder why you're doing it and if you can and things like that. And it's pretty normal. But just to have a go, like if, you, if you're thinking of doing it, um, throw your hat in the ring and have a go. There's a, as I said before, there's a multitude of different supports from within the medical schools themselves, within the student cohort, um, and even your your consultants and, and your bosses as well. They've all been through it. So it's not as if they wake up one day and they're a consultant, but they've certainly been through it and they appreciate where you're coming from. And 
you know, spend time having a chat to those people and and working through it. And you know, to give you an example, I was doing anaesthetics and it took me a little while to get my head around it and, and things like that. And I think I'd written I know, probably two or three resignation letters there at one stage. And I went and spoke to some of the other guys who were doing it as well. And you know, they come with, oh, you've only written two. I've written about five of them. <laughs> so <laughs> you're going, oh, okay, so it's not just me. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but using the support that that's around you and just talking about some of the difficulties you've had and odds on other people are having exactly the, the same issues or have had the same issues. And medicine's a, a difficult course in terms of the workload. And people have different strategies of dealing with that. So engage the people around you and get their support because they're either going through it or or have gone through it. But at the end of the day, throw your hat in the ring and have a go. Dr Justin Gladman, Rural Generalist, Broken Hill. This is Destination Medicine. Thanks for listening. Regional training hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Programme.